1: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina, And I'm your host, Matt Scalina And Matt, today, a very, very good episode. We've got Alan Haig. He is the managing partner of Impact Commercial Group. He's also a good friend of the show. First time he's ever been on the program, but talking about, well, talking about everything real estate, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But specifically commercial financing, right? This is a subject that I can't believe we've never had a guest talking about on the show before because- residential financing and commercial financing, as some people may or may not know who are listening, is very different. And the qualifications are very different. And what they look at is very different. And therefore, there is opportunities in both areas, but commercial lending is is its own unique beast. So great to have Al on the show talking about the basics, right? 101 right. commercial financing, but also, of course, Al's an investor himself. Great to hear where he thinks the market's going, opportunities in the commercial world. All around great conversation and uh, Al's all around great guy. Yeah. And,
1: you know, I love it because he invests in both commercial and residential. Tons of strategy that comes out in this episode. Really, really great conversation and an interesting time in the market. You actually texted me a tweet that you read that was interesting actually
2: about the Toronto market. I feel like I might've said this on the show and I'm not sure how I feel about my whole Twitter habit. I've been back on Twitter since about Christmas. I've noticed your mood has been down. You know And and I follow all these real estate people on there. Talking heads, summer realtors. Anyway, there was a tweet I sent you last night from the York region. Okay. okay? And he says, just ran competitive analysis for a 1.5 million listing, large detached in York region. 50% of their competitors are not holding off on offers. This market is changing fast. Right. And this is one tweet of, I would say, probably 30 that I've seen specifically about Toronto and the surrounding areas about how it's cooling so quickly Right. right now. And the interesting thing is, you know, the headlines over the last couple of months, Toronto is now more expensive than Vancouver. And actually we flipped, right? Because a couple of years ago, Toronto used to have higher rents and was cheaper. I remember we used to have Andrew uh, LaFleur Lafleur on the show, always talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And it switched. Now Vancouver has higher rents and lower price points than Toronto. So their market has, has went on a run. I mean, we've been on a run, but they've been kind of on an exceptional run. run. Yeah. And it seems to be cooling very quickly. And I sent that to you. And anecdotally, I was I was speaking to another agent out in Abbotsford. Yep. And sounds pretty similar out it, there. There was there was a pocket out there. There was a, a specific. It was a large townhome complex, and there was three or four townhomes, townhomes that were holding off on offers until yesterday, and two of the three or four, fifty to sixty percent, let's say, yeah, didn't get any offers, Stunked. and then. Another one got a subject offer that they didn't accept. So presumably- it, Not what they it, were expecting. They, they, it's not what they were expecting. So I wonder, you know, out in the burbs that again, have been on that crazy tear, similar to a lot of the regions in in Southern Ontario, if that's uh, coming home to roost here.
1: It's interesting because Doug Porter was on the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. And one of the things that he said is, when you're sprinting, like meaning the housing market, First, you gotta jog and then you gotta slowly walk and then you gotta crawl and then you gotta stop. Like meaning that even if the market starts to shift, it's not gonna stop on a dime. I actually kind of disagree because in past markets in Vancouver, policy changes or stress tests or whatever have actually almost stopped the market on a dime. Well, it feels (laughs) like it feels like that. So maybe because we're in the weeds here and, and so on top of like.
2: Just certain nuances that seem to, to be way more pronounced. How, how often your phone is buzzing, right? Sure. It's basically, that's, that's the thing. And, and what we used to say on this show and what it makes me think of is, you know, just because you're driving at 100 kilometers an hour and you go down to 60, it feels like you're going slow, but you're still going Exactly, sixty kilometers an that, hour, which is not super fast. I think you start at one hundred and sixty and go down to a hundred. Yeah, I think I think, use, yeah, I think, I think
1: I, I'm a little low on those kilometers. Yeah, but yeah, it's been a It's, just, it's too like long. we're in your car. Yeah. Uh, so here's the other thing, though, is that what I would say is that you're right about that. It doesn't mean that the market is. I, I'm maybe I something
2: make, takes two weeks to sell. Well, yeah, or maybe
1: <laughs> you have to adjust your your marketing plan, right? Exactly, and not and not go on for ninety nine cents when you want five dollars or whatever you've been doing. And that happens all the time. Usually like a few weekends in a row where people start to say, okay, that strategy is not working anymore. You know, and prices, chances are, will remain
2: sticky. You just have to price them more based on what you actually want. Yeah, exactly. Different pricing strategies, different marketing strategies. Here's the other thing, right? I really feel, and I don't know if this was borne out in the stats, September 2021 was slow. I remember coming out of August and it was busy and I thought, man, we're in for a crazy run and October in I feel I really feel like August compared
1: was, comparatively to the, the months prior, right? Exactly. And, and the months in months October
2: after. picked up again, but there was like a couple weeks. So you know what? Yep. Is this a blip, bump in the road? Is it the or, market or taking or is a is breath, this, Or is this the peak slide? And keep in mind we're talking Abbotsford and Toronto and sure. the surrounding areas. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that in Vancouver.
1: Well, last night I was successful on the buy side. Competed against five. So thank you very much. Uh, against five other parties uh, with some buyers of mine for a for a two bed in Vancouver. Very competitive atmosphere. I know, like we've been involved. Oh, so
2: hold on the, the price, w- which I don't know if you you want to disclose or not, looks fairly attractive. Even if you said it was in Coquitlam. Well, this in is, my is mind. it.
1: This is it. And I mean, it's what we've been kind of. And I feel like we're beating a dead horse sometimes, but. Vancouver is actually incredible
2: value right now that, compared to, compared to the suburbs. This is, this this is, we were just talking to a developer this morning who was talking about starting price points on the West side at 12.50 a foot for brand new construction. Right. It's like that, that to me, we just had Scott Brown talking about Surrey pricing hitting 13.50. The durability of Vancouver, this makes me think there's the, you know, I'm not worried about Vancouver. Yeah. That's, that's for certain. And here's another example, right? Skunked in, in Abbotsford, I was uh, unsuccessful on a property in Lower Lonsdale. On the buy side. On the buy side. This week, five offers, very similar to yours, except this property was purchased in October for $735,000, October 2021, and sold on Tuesday for 901000 With no 000. changes, no improvements no to improvements. the property. Just almost $165,000 lift in three, four months, which just is mind boggling. So let's just say submarket means a lot. And we'll monitor this because it, it does feel like there's shifts happening across the Canadian real estate market right now.
1: So you're saying if I understand what we're basically, because we're kind of Tiptoeing around the the issue, but it, it really feels like if there's a froth that could get taken off the top, it's it's mostly in the suburban markets. Well, I just the resiliency wonder, seems to be in Vancouver. Yeah, I
2: really feel like we used to pre-COVID, it was always the downtown core emanating out from there in terms of sure. uh, for the most part, right? Is how we always activity. thought of how the activity, you know, and you're kind of driving till you can afford a place type thing. Sure, COVID kind of put that on its head and. We've always been wondering, okay, when does the music stop on, on this kind of COVID, I need a backyard party? because I, we've I st- still need a backyard we, party. We still, <laughs> yeah, no kidding, we do. <laughs> but one thing that I'm just thinking is, you know, Maple Ridge has done what, 40 plus percent yeah, uh, and Vancouver has been, you know, fairly uh, plodding along. Yeah. So you know what, what does this mean for the rest of the year? Who knows? But I don't think one, one or two weeks makes a trend.
1: Here's one thing I tell you that I would not be afraid is I'm not afraid of, of $1,100, 1200 a foot in Vancouver. No that kidding. Is, that is not That, is not scary. No that does kidding. not scare me no, price-wise. doesn't get much well. cheaper. I'm uh, telling you that. Yeah. Without further ado, why don't we cut to our conversation with Alan Haig, managing partner at Impact
2: Commercial Group. This is a great one. Yeah, I love this conversation. Enjoy. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by Hawkeye Wealth. Yeah, past guest fan favorite, Justin Smith and his team. Fantastic guy, Justin Smith over at Hawkeye Wealth. Hawkeye helps our clients invest in various private real estate investments, such as residential and industrial development projects with an aim to diversify their portfolios and achieve better risk-adjusted returns than they would find elsewhere. Yes. You you, you really dragged on that elsewhere. Elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always when I think of Justin, I think big network, great due diligence, and a deal finder. If you're interested in learning more of what they're doing over at Hawkeye Wealth and the opportunities that become available, head over to hawkeyewealth.com. That is Hawkeye Wealth dot com. I finally got it. Hawkeye, like he's a, he's a deal finder. He finds the deals. That's hawkeyewealth.com. Thanks, Justin and the team. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to Oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020. That's oaklandcom slash join type in vrp2020 not only do you get to meet michael morgan and the gang the big wigs over at oakland you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join typing in vrp2020 okay
1: so we're here with alan Haig, managing partner at impact commercial group
2: how you doing alan
0: fantastic guys how are you doing
2: yeah no Al we're doing we're doing well thanks so much for taking the time uh, to speak with us today.
0: You got it you know you guys are uh, you guys are great love uh, doing all this stuff I'm really excited to be able to talk a little bit of the commercial stuff on the residential uh, podcast so uh, I can't wait to uh, see where where this conversation goes.
1: Right right and and you know it's uh, we've we should say. We've we've had you on the sister show, the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, but we are getting a lot of questions from people that specialize in well or focus on residential, I should say, asking questions about commercial. So,
2: what better time than now well, to, to bring and the, you on? And the other thing is, is it, it's kind of striking that we've been doing this since 2016. We've had any number of mortgage brokers on talking about residential financing, and we've never actually broached the subject of Commercial financing, how and it is, works, and it's mostly because we're both scared of what we don't know. So, <laughs> so we'll start. That's, we'll, that's,
1: that's common. Yeah. Well, Al, why don't we start with? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, I'm uh, what am I? Mid 40s now. Uh, started off uh, many years ago, uh, late 90s at uh, Canada Trust, and I've just worked my way up throughout the you know the banking system, credit union system for the last uh, however many years, uh, you know, worked with some absolutely unbelievable people. And now I'm just, you know, very fortunate that I would sort of decided to pursue my, you know, my passion, which was commercial real estate and, and, uh, you know, created with a couple other guys impact commercial group. So, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the business side of things on the, uh, sort of the personal side is, uh, you know, husband to one, you know, father to three uh, young daughters, just like, uh, absolutely uh you know blessed to have uh you know the family around me and you know we we just got to get through this uh these covid times so we can uh you know uh, yeah, get get to hawaii or, or mexico get some uh some vitamin d
2: no kidding no kidding and how long has impact commercial group been around Al? uh we're uh six turning
0: seven so still relatively new but our combined experience we've got here is like oh jesus uh you know 100 years so we're <laughs> uh we're very we're a very experienced <laughs> group we just uh decided to do it for ourselves uh, instead of, uh, you know, doing it for, uh, for others.
2: Well, you know, one question we ask a lot of people, it sounds like you mentioned kind of a passion for commercial real estate, maybe just more generally, what got you interested in real estate?
0: You know, that's a great question. You know, I think where I look at it is we're all, uh, you know, a product of the environment that we're in. And, you know, when I was, uh, you know, a, a lender, a commercial lender, and then you sort of start to have, uh, you know, you start meeting with your clients, and I don't know, it was just something. It was like the passion that, you know, commercial clients, the, you know, the, the risk that they take, the belief in themselves. It was just amazing. It was honestly, it was contagious. So I just started to just start falling into that kind of pattern of just dealing with passionate, commercial-focused guys. And then when you sort of see their success over the, the course of years and you go, wow, it's just like, it, it just, the stars aligned, you know, for me. And, um, you know, uh, lucky to say, I just sort of fell into it. Like I, I didn't know this when, you know, uh, you know, 15 years ago, uh, you know, but I just sort of, uh, you know, part, part of a team, we just started to do things and then one thing led to another and then now it's, uh, you know, that, that passion and fire grew within me. So, you know, I'm just blessed. Like it's uh I uh, wouldn't want to be in any other uh, position uh, than where I am right now.
1: And we should say, Alan, you invest in, in real estate yourself. So we've got some questions maybe we'll save for the end of the show, but just where you kind of see the opportunities and uh, what areas and, and investments you're excited about. We'll, we'll save that for sure. But before we get to that, Al, many of our listeners will be familiar with the residential mortgage process What are the key differences between residential and commercial financing?
0: Okay, so this is the greatest uh, question that we have. Um, This might be the whole show, Al. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. You know what? There's really, there's one main difference with a couple of sort of corollary kind of, you know, aspects or spinoffs of that stuff there. And, And the main difference in general between residential and commercial is that, you know, there's no real like beds in commercial lending. Like it's, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, you have the multifamily assets, which is a bed, but in general is that, you know, most people buy their own homes. Okay. That they sleep in on the, the commercial side of things. It's like, you don't sleep in an industrial building. You know, you don't sleep in an office building you know you don't uh, you know live in a in a hotel or anything like that so that's just sort of like the the, the main difference between the two is, the, is depends that, how many that, you know. kids
1: you have Al. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, and your relationship
2: true. I guess you might be yeah, sleeping you, you, in the industrial I was space. gonna say you didn't know Adam from <laughs> 99 through 2004
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, no that's funny you know, throw a in the office and you're good all right so it's like you're there in the doghouse with the uh, the missus yeah no that's all so you know that. That's just the uh, the thing, man. And so, what it ends up being is because you have that aspect there, you have like a you know a couple little spin-offs. You know, from there is uh, on the commercial side of things is. Because regulators in general view that you know homes with people living in it that are you know income earners and and stuff like that is that they believe that it's a little a little bit lower risk and so with that lower risk you get lower rates. Let me know if I'm wrong, but I think your you know five year sort of mortgage rates in residential are kind of in the high twos. Um, well, if we look at the you know the commercial sides, you are going to be now looking at some of the high threes. So. You know, you do have about a 1%-ish, and it kind of ebbs and flows, difference in interest rates between, you know, the commercial lending and the residential lending. So that's where, you know, one element kind of comes into it. It's all due to perceived risk. And then the other aspect there is that there's just different. Specialists, Right. You know, it's it's, um, you know, you go into your, you know, your bank or your credit union and you got guys that focus on the personal lending and you got a channel that goes, here's our approval. Here's how we do things. This is the process. And then you got the other guys on the other side of the table going, here's our commercial process and here's how you kind of go up. So they're all kind of, uh, you know, when you, uh, you know, my sort of side there is that they're just different, right? But they are two different processes and you just sort of follow the processes. So that's basically the main difference between them. But at the end of the day, you're looking at a uh, piece of property, you're looking at some kind of income uh, generating, and you're looking at, you know, a mortgage on the property. So their, their fundamentals are pretty much exactly the same, but they're just different. And that's sort of the the fear that a lot of people have. But if you can just, you know, and we'll get onto this later, but if you can just accept that, that it's different and you you move forward with that, you're going to be just fine.
2: And Al, in, in terms of the differences, one of the things that I feel like I've talked to you now probably more times than I would care to admit is this personal financial picture. And, you know, in the residential world, it's all about, the borrower, and that is not necessarily the case when it comes to to financing a commercial property. Can you speak a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when you're, say, living in your own home uh, or apartment, is that it is your income is what determines, uh, generally speaking, your, you know, how much of a mortgage that you can afford. On the other aspect, it is, uh, for the commercial side, it is that what is the properties income so if you're not living in the industrial property uh, or the office property where you know you've got your personal income to support is then we start looking at what is that properties income now the properties income in general is defined through the uh, the leases that you have so it is like you've got a commercial uh, you know retail unit and you've got Starbucks in it um, well, you know what, Starbucks has got, you got to, the, the owner of that commercial unit has a lease with Starbucks, which outlines, you know, what is the, the monthly payments and all that kind of stuff. So we, as commercial uh, mortgage brokers, what we do is we will take what that lease income is, and then that's what we can use to support a mortgage. So realistically, it's just a re-engineering, uh, you know, from the property's income to what the mortgage uh, the the mortgage amount will be based on interest rates and and amortization schedules. So it's just a, a slightly different uh, viewpoint, is all.
2: So, so if I understand, in that case, it's the leases become of paramount importance, either the leases in place or the expected income you can generate from a property when it comes to financing. And the barrier of entry for, say, mom and pop investors looking to get into commercial real estate is less about you know, the income that they're taking home each month but, and more about down payment because the down payment uh, requirements are a little bit different.
0: You got it. So that's exactly where it is. And that's where the uncertainty comes in through most first time buyers. And that's where we kind of come in and to help them walk through it so that there's there's no surprises. But in, yes, you're right. So if you've got a property that has 50,000 bucks in income, it uh, you know will cover a certain amount of a mortgage. And then the difference between that mortgage amount and the purchase price is, is what the down payment has to be. So, you know, that's that's kind of uh, how it works uh, on that side there. And, you know, down payments can be sourced through, you know, multiple different avenues. Um, you can have accrued savings. Some uh, some have gifts from uh, from parents. Some have transfers from, you know, other, uh, you know, holding companies. Some uh, do uh, have done, uh, you know, an equity takeout on their own personal property. So they'll do a residential financing and a
1: commercial financing.
0: And, you know, that's that's kind of where it ends up being.
1: If I understand though, um, in thinking about someone's financial picture, just generally, a lot, obviously, it's weighted towards the property and, and the asset and, and the lease income, et cetera. But do you still have to have a pretty rosy financial picture to qualify? Asking for a friend. This is this is something, <laughs> how many different ways can we
2: phrase this? You can tell we've both <laughs> got raked over the coals in the, in the residential <laughs> arena. <laughs>
0: You know what is that? Can it impact things? Absolutely. It, it all depends on, you know, the, the variances that you have. Like if you're going out and you're wanting like a $10 million mortgage, well, you know, walking in with, you know, a million dollar uh, net worth, that's going to be a bit of an issue. Right. But if you're reasonable and uh, the lender is comfortable with your ability to support the payments on their commercial mortgage, you know, they're they're very reasonable. So you should have very little or we have very little opposition from commercial lenders uh, wanting to lend on on good properties that kind of service their debt uh, by good people. Probably one of the things that we always end up uh, kind of running into, which I would consider, you know, as important, if not slightly more important is the credit bureau score for, for individuals that are buying commercial properties. And so sometimes, uh, you know, people, um, which is again, one of our common issues for first time buyers is that, you know, they're, uh, they're at fitness world, or they had a disagreement with a uh, TELUS or some kind of uh, parking uh, ticket where it shows up on their credit bureau and, you know, takes their credit bureau score, you know, you know, f- like below a threshold. And that's some of the stuff that, you know, a small little thing, which we never recommend, uh, you know, people die on the sword with that one there, is just make sure your credit bureau is good. Keep your payments in, uh, in line, keep your credit bureaus, because we all know that lenders, uh, you know, they like to check boxes. And if you fall below a certain threshold, then you become an exception, and that ends up being a bit of an issue and can cause things to to slide. So we just, uh, you know, we'll always recommend all clients, regardless of you know the you know next purchase if it's going to be a million bucks or ten million bucks, is keep your credit bureau nice and healthy.
2: So it sounds like, in terms of what we've talked about so far, the down payment is, is different, the way that person potentially purchasing the property qualifying is different. I'm just wondering about the subject period because, you know, in the in the residential world you know, on the financing front, there's, there's a couple of boxes that have to be checked when it comes to, you know, you mentioned the good property, making sure that the lender's okay with the property in in the commercial world. Can we talk about like how long are subject periods and a little bit more about the due diligence? Because the process, as I understand is, is a little bit different when it comes to due diligence and the lender uh, making sure that they're all right with the, the purchase.
0: Absolutely. So again, these are just differences. Nothing is more, it's not scarier or it's not harder to deal with. Uh, They're just slightly differences. So, you know, the things that kind of come into it, and I'm going to talk about, you know, a few different uh, aspects, is that on the commercial side of of things, most lenders, not all, but most lenders require an appraisal. Now, the commercial appraisal can be 50 to 100 pages, and it can take three weeks to get. It's very different from the residential appraisal, which, you know, you can pretty much, uh, you know, often you don't need to. Other ones will take four days. It's just it's uh, and the the appraisals are like seven to eight pages long. So there's just differences in the timing to do some of what we call the consultant reports. Other kind of consultant reports are like environmental reports. So if you are doing a, a, you know, buying a, a, you know, a freestanding building is we have to have an environmental assessment report done. So it's that can take, you know what, uh, one to to two weeks for the bare uh, sort of bare bones report. Uh, So we have that. So these are all things that lenders are are generally looking for. And so that's the key aspect is we just got to give them all the leasing information. We got to give them these reports. And usually we have subject uh, removal periods of, you know, 30 days to 45 days is always kind of the expectation that we have. It just takes time to process now a little bit more because COVID as well. So those are some of the stuff that's a little different. But I know that, you know, the 30 to 45 days for a commercial subject period is very different from the uh, residential subject period. And it's really just because the residential stuff is that there's fewer checks and balances that you have to do and just things move a lot faster to kind of get done. So you can have your seven day subject removal periods on, on the residential side.
2: Right, and so in terms of um, just thinking about what the lender is requiring, so potentially an environmental report if it's a freestanding building, uh, an appraisal which is a much more involved appraisal than pulling you know two comps in a condo building and and basically checking uh, the boxes. They're looking for the the leases in place. So it's a, it's a more extensive process. Can we talk a little bit about just generally what what the cost associated with uh, that due diligence is for the for the potential buyer?
0: Great question. And so a lot of the times here and just for all the uh, potential buyers out there is uh, I don't want them to feel like they're alone. At Impact Commercial, we finance you know just as many first-time purchasers as we do you know seasoned uh, you know seasoned purchasers, and so it's really important for when we talk about this stuff for all those people is like we will model this out for them so that they don't have any surprises. And you know what? we model out lots of stuff on a regular basis. We've got two full-time underwriters that do all this stuff. But in general, is that you have an environmental report anywhere from two to three thousand bucks. Uh, an appraisal anywhere from say 2500 bucks to 4 thousand bucks in general there's pluses and minus you get to start doing some of the bigger transactions there's just that's more you've got a you know piece of property that's got some environmental uncertainty if there is a dry cleaner down the street or if there's an auto mechanic shop uh, next door it does take a little bit more in depth to try to do that stuff you know, outside of that, what you got is, and where we recommend most people do it is like you do not buy a uh, commercial property under your personal name because that means that you just face a little bit more liability. So we recommend that you set up a holding company, which you know is not hard to do, and that can cost anywhere from I guess like a thousand bucks to twenty five hundred bucks, depending on who you're at. And those are kind of the main costs to do some of the due diligence. You know, we work with a lot. There's a lot of great commercial realtors out there. They, on, on whenever you're buying and selling, they do have a nice due diligence package uh, which has all the leases. There might even be an environmental report within that due diligence package. So you can move really quickly throughout the uh, out the process uh, of that stuff. But those are the main costs. It's kind of like you got around 10 grand of base costs to do most commercial purchases.
1: Al, maybe uh, switching gears here a little bit, can we talk about how commercial real estate has performed over the past, call it 18 months to two years during COVID?
0: <laughs> okay, this is, okay, so I love this kind of question here. You guys have seen the residential real estate markets and, and how it's performed. Right. And I will say in general is that the uh, uh, the commercial market has performed just as well. Yes, there's some pockets of, of sort of, uh, you, know, you know, I wouldn't even call weakness, you know, pockets where it hasn't done great, and that's in some of like the downtown office market and some of the hospitality areas have sort of seen some uh, things, but you know industrial and land and multifamily have just exploded and you know we we're, we're seeing just continued appreciation there is a lot of uh, of money uh, that is uh, you know domestic in canada looking to participate in to commercial asset classes so it's just our, our biggest issue on the commercial side is we just you know there's there's a, there's the lack of supply very similar to the residential side there is a lack of supply So prices are going up, regardless of where the interest rates are going, is prices are going to continue to appreciate.
2: And so if I understand you've seen considerable price appreciation over most asset classes in the last couple of years.
0: Absolutely. Without kind of going into it, I'm just going to give you just sort of like a a recent example. And this is how fast the markets move. So, you know, I had... One client buy, and it's not the exact terms, but I had one client, you know, buy something for, I say, like a million bucks, and you know, a year and a half later, sold it for two and a half million bucks. These are certain aspects that, again, like the the market is flush with uh, liquidity, and the liquidity's got to go somewhere. So we've just seen, you know, things being, you know, bid up quite substantially. So it ends up being that's just a small example you know, where prices are going up quite considerably. And I don't foresee them going down at all so it is going to be a um, uh, we've just seen a complete robust market you're looking at some of the uh, some of the other stuff of demographics and how many people are moving in here you know all the high-tech jobs that we're creating the wealth that that's generating you're just just again you're just seeing uh, that reflect in the in the values of residential and commercial real estate equally
1: al is there anything about kind of this this two-year run this covid kind of era run here that has surprised you
0: um, I think uh, the uh, the biggest surprise would be the fact that, for most of the commercial you know assets is that it really hasn't done anything. Uh, you know, large investors uh, are still doing all the uh, construction downtown uh, Vancouver. More and more you know uh, clients are purchasing in secondary markets, primary markets. So, uh, again, it's it, it's for commercial real estate investing is like Covid. Hasn't really impacted it in negatively in any way, shape, or form. Again, outside of that hospitality class, where you know, at hotels have really been hit hard. So it's it's effectively being a non-event. And yeah, like uh, uh, still, I would say, in, from the start of COVID to right now, is the demand for commercial real estate has has only increased.
1: Have you noticed? I mean, you're talking about the kind of the the secondary markets. Have you seen a geographical shift in in where your clients are going?
0: Uh, Absolutely. The city of Vancouver, uh, because of the high prices, it's kind of dominated by the industrial players. And, you know, within sort of, uh, you know, the concentric rings uh, around from like a distance perspective. So you got the downtown core, go out five kilometers uh, from the downtown core, and you start, you know, seeing prices sort of drop a little bit. But they're still very expensive for the average investor, specifically first time buyers who are looking to get their into the commercial assets. And so, you are just starting to see just fantastic opportunities in, in markets like you know Penticton, Kelowna, Vernon, you know Kamloops, Nanaimo, Victoria, Langford, Colwood. You're, you're start seeing just these you know more attractive, lower cost you know opportunities outside where the actual lease rates are are pretty supportive of uh, of, of, of a nice financing. So that's sort of where we're seeing, you know, you know, a lot of the, you know, first-time buyers and even the more experienced guys starting to get into those secondary markets a little bit more than what we saw, say, you know, during the uh, the great financial crisis. Is that the secondary markets are much more comfortable for people to get into?
2: And that's just, uh, as far as I understand, that's basically just because of the the extremely high prices in in the city of Vancouver and, and Metro Vancouver more generally.
0: Absolutely. And it also comes into the population growth. So, you know, you always have that spillover where we're seeing it is that, you know, you look at uh, how much, uh, say, these other, you know, secondary markets have grown, right? And, and you, you know, people from, you know, uh, it's expensive in Vancouver, well, they kind of move out to, you know, Abbotsford, and those people that find Abbotsford now expensive, or, you know, moving out to, you know, Penticton, you sort of have this ripple effect uh, all across the spectrum. And, and so sort of when it comes to commercial Asset valuations is that you know in general is that. If you got more people in an area in a in a market like Penticton, is that you're going to see commercial values appreciate because there's more people in there, you know they spend more at your local stores. The stores are making more money. You got uh, when stores are making more money, they want that property a little bit more, so they pay higher lease rates and and and, and so on and so on. So that's sort of where you just see some of those opportunities come. And that's that again. We're just we're just doing more transactions than ever before in secondary markets. You know,
2: maybe backing up a little bit, Al, just thinking about, you know, we've talked about appraisals. We've talked about how, you know, the example of the the million-dollar property that turns to 2.5. Can we really just hammer out how pricing works in commercial and, and how values established? Because it, it's – significantly different, obviously, than people that are used to thinking of, you know, the last three months, uh, what sold in the building and using kind of the comparables approach. Can you just talk a little bit about, I guess, how value is established?
0: Okay. All right. So this is the, uh, I can certainly chat about it and I'm going to do my very best to give this in layman's terms, because it's it's not an easy, it's not an easy concept for uh, most people to listen over a podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it and say for anybody who really wants to kind of know this stuff here is uh, you know Google search capitalization rates and so what capitalization rates is is simply it's a, it's a it's a ratio between the income of the property and the the you know the value of the property so we have all that stuff and I'm gonna try to do my very best to explain so if we have a five percent capitalization rate okay, and the property is worth a million bucks, we know that that property generates 50 grand in income. Okay. If through lease renewals, and we see this all the time is we've seen, uh, say in Kelowna, we've seen a lease renewal just recently go from, you know, 17 bucks to 30 bucks. So the income's almost doubled. And so you're taking, say, theoretically that 50,000, you're making it 90,000 well, the cap rate will stay the same at five percent, but your bottom part, your property property's probably gone up by a factor of like five, six hundred thousand bucks, simply due to the capitalization rate that's applied to the property. So you can see how the income that the property generates is what is is critically important. That's how we're where you see the the benefits of commercial real estate, and that's like it's a key difference between commercial real estate and residential, and the fact that residential. You have, you know, the curbs on increasing, you know, sort of rent rates. Like the uh, the VC government says, you can only increase by I think it's 1.4 percent this year. Right. Where on a uh, on a commercial lease that is, we call it the triple net lease, is that you know you, you basically you know at renewal you you raise the rates to what the market is. And so if the market's gone up 50 percent from what your base rate was, that's where it is. And so that's a key fundamental difference between the residential and the commercial side.
2: So the value in commercial real estate is related to the income generated on the property as as opposed to just strictly the comparables. You got it, 100%. So, so I guess just two follow-ups on that. One is, has COVID, because we often think of you know, cheap money and and um, quantitative easing and, and that sort of thing in terms of there just being more, more money out there and more people looking to invest over the last couple of years, has that led to prices increase or are rents actually just increasing over the last couple of years quite dramatically?
0: Well, there's a a couple of things that are um, with there is that, you know, what we have seen is uh, increasing lease rates pretty much across the spectrum, you know, again, outside of some of the retail units that have been hit hard uh, or harder. But in general, we've seen lease rates increase. The item that compounds it is due to the um, due to just such the liquidity out there and the demand for commercial assets is. We've also seen cap rate compression. So um, where in the past you would you go, hey, listen, I need to get you know that five percent capitalization rate is what I want on this property. That's what the market is going to be trading at. But what we've seen is because there's so many for, for, for some of these, you know, listings is that there's uh, you know, multiple bid situations. You get 10 or 12 people that are offering on it. And some people are just absolutely love the property and they're forecasting, oh, listen, like five percent was what it should have been two years ago. I'm willing to to pay the price at like a four point two five percent. And so you you've seen not only lease rates go up, but you've seen the compression of the cap rates. And when you compress the cap rates, that same the value of the property goes up as well. Again, very technical, always encourage the, the, uh, your audience to just, you know, you know, go and do the mental pushups, go on and Google it and just see what that does. I don't, uh, you know, have my, uh, my mental calculator in my mind isn't good enough, but if you were to just, again, you, you, you know, people will pay more for the income stream that that property generates with cap compression. So, uh, you know, you, you know, multiply those two factors and you're seeing substantial increases in property values.
1: Okay. So then, so cap compression combined with
2: increasing lease amounts is a good thing for people holding commercial real estate, sounds like. Exactly. And it also sounds like, you know, if we're, cause you see that basically the same process occurring in, in residential where you might say, okay, well, prices are jumping the last three months suggests this property's worth 800k but somebody's willing to pay 810 or 820 just because for whatever reason, right? Multiple offer situation where, and then they're setting the new benchmarks. It sounds like the actual comparable process in a lot of ways here is looking at cap rate compression. And okay, well, you know, we're establishing a new norm for, for what the cap rate is in downtown Vancouver or Penticton or wherever. And for the most part, people are willing to get, take less to get into the market.
0: 100% agree with you. Exactly. Great point of putting it there. Again, it all comes down to demand and supply. You know, if you've got a demand for it for, for one reason or another, you know, on the residential side, if, you know, there's, you know, 30 people that want to buy this one piece of property, you know, you're going to have that increase in value. Uh, again, it's the same thing on the res- uh, commercial side. If you've got 30 people wanting to get that same piece of property, well, that's when you're seeing uh, higher values. And, and we're seeing that on a regular basis going forward.
1: And and at a time like this, when, or maybe if we were talking three months ago, even at a time when people are looking to just basically take cash and invest it into some kind of hard asset, you would imagine there's a lot of new investors entering into this market, and and a lot of people making mistakes. I would, I would think as well, you know, just not having the expertise to go into go into a new market, especially a complicated market like commercial real estate and a
2: fast moving market, right? Where you got to pull the trigger.
1: Well, and this is it. So, I mean, what what are some in in your mind, Al? What are some of the biggest mistakes the newbies make entering the commercial real estate market?
0: Okay, so the two biggest mistakes that I see, and one is is uh, is, is much more of a mistake, and and, the, and so this one is is you know thinking that prices are going to drop, and you see this on the residential side. As well, where they go, listen, the market's inflated. I'm just going to hold off on uh, on purchasing this this property. It's just it's too expensive, so they, they they pass it by. Somebody else picks it up, and then they go and uh, you know two or three years later, and they they see the property again. They go online and they look at the BC assessment, and they see the property has gone up substantially, and and they miss out. And so the, the key thing, uh, the main mistake that they, uh, that, you know, first time buyers doing is, is not, you know, understanding that, you know, these assets are in incredibly high demand and to actually get it now before waiting, because you're just not going to, you're not going to find it again. Like I, I had a, uh, another client the other day did a fantastic job, you know, secured a bunch of properties, you know, got an unbelievable offer to, to, to resell those properties. And I have to, you know, sit back and I'm like, you got a generational, you know, opportunity here, you know, to do these things. So I go, you're not going to find that property again. And so he's like, he understood it. Uh, It was still the right thing for him. Did a fantastic job. But you're just, you're just seeing that, you know, if you think on the residential side that properties are getting away from you from a financial affordability side. Well, you know, you're, if you don't jump into the market, you know, sooner rather than later, you're just going to be, it's going to be harder and harder to get in. So we encourage all of our, you know, all of your you know, listeners is that, you know, reach out, chat, you know, talk to people that have done uh, commercial investing before. Don't talk to people who are, you know, equity investors in, in stock markets because they're just very different types of, uh, of investor rationale and get yourself com- uh, comfortable with the process so you can actually get into the market. Don't wait. The, the second, uh, you know, item that it really kind of comes into it is that, you know, first time buyers are, are generally they're surprised uh, a little bit by the higher costs that are in the residential sub than they are in the residential. And so what they try to do is they try to take a little bit more on for themselves in the process, which leads to disappointment more often than it leads to success. So we're always of that aspect is uh, to, you know, look to build your team. Like you wouldn't buy a piece of property without having the expertise of a realtor. You know, it's kind of the same thing you're doing it for the first time is like use the expertise of a commercial mortgage broker to help secure that stuff. Use the expertise of an existing uh, lawyer who's specialized in real estate. Just, just build your team, right? Like people are, are around you that want to see you successful. So let those people do their thing. You know, you pay them a fair wage, but let them do their thing. Cause you will be successful if the others uh, around you are successful.
2: Fantastic. And and just thinking about maybe not necessarily the generational deal you mentioned um, a couple minutes back, but uh, but I'm kind of curious in in this marketplace, what does a good deal look like in your mind in in the commercial world? Maybe both for you thinking about as an investor and as, as a broker and for the lenders you're working with?
0: That's another great question. I will say that a good deal is whatever uh, you
2: know the, the the purchaser believes
0: is a good deal. So we have you know multiple different types of clients. They like multiple different types of deals. You know we have some very conservative clients that just you know they they only want to buy you know properties that have a 10 20 year lease with uh, you, know, uh, you know you know you know triple A tenants, and that's all that they like. But they like a lower yield on it. We have other clients that are, you know, calling what it is is. They're land speculators. You know, they are going to be, you know, looking to purchase, uh, you know, acreages where they think, uh, you know, future redevelopment potential. So a, a good deal is there's not a one-size-fits-all. It's all in the uh, the eye of the beholder, and it's all in the what that individual is looking to achieve with their, what we would call their limited amount of down payment, right? Because you can only do so much based on what you got in your back pocket, you know. I'd love to go out and buy, you know. Way more properties, but again, you, you need the uh, you need your back pocket to be full stuffed with cash so you can you know you can execute on it. So I'm trying to sort of kind of give it to a little bit. Is that it, it's it, it's hard to encapsulate what is a good uh, deal. I know for me, and this is a wink wink, nudge nudge, is that you know there was a you know a slight misunderstanding in regards to the uh, an income of a of a of a property and this isn't a secondary market and so the opportunity was seized we got excellent financing on it and it's just going to be a cash gusher, you know, for the next, uh, you know, five, 10 years, however long it it, it holds. So we were able to get a full 75% leverage on it. Great purchase. Love it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so it is, it's a great thing. So these are the types where I really love that, uh, you know, transaction like that. And we're seeing a whole bunch of these things coming through the door where you can, you know, you can just get really good financing terms uh, because you got good, leases in there, and it's a great property that you know is going to appreciate in
2: the future. So, so it sounds like you're still seeing kind of amazing deals come across your desk in this hot market.
0: Uh, amazing uh, deals. Well, it's, it's different from two, three years ago. Like when it was the height of COVID, we saw some absolutely unbelievable deals. You know, you got to look a little bit harder for uh, for those uh, deals now, but we are still seeing some very attractive opportunities come through. The key thing we're seeing where the most attractive uh, opportunities are, you know, it's kind of that, you know, Wayne Gretzky rule is like, don't go where the puck is, go where the puck is going to go. So it is, you know, the most success is, you know, where you've done your research and you find that, uh, you know, go go where, you know, go where you think that the, you know, the density is going to go and value appreciation is going to go and and general income, uh, you know, lease income is going to go. So, you know, that's where uh, where we're still seeing deals, great deals. You know, a lot of the we're seeing some really nice ones on the tilt up industrial construction, you know, there's some really good developers out there doing some really amazing, you know, projects, you know, say, for an example, is that, you know, the the PC urban industrial stuff, uh, where, you know, people are buying and leasing those things out, people are buying to occupy it themselves, fantastic value. And we've seen those things, you know, basically double in prices over the last,
1: you know, three, four years. I think we've highlighted a lot of these things, but maybe, um, maybe just to kind of, summarize them. What in your mind are the advantages of commercial real estate over residential? And don't try too hard, Al. You
2: put us out of a job.
0: <laughs> okay. So I've got these uh, ones here. Is as the uh, advantages. Okay. So my view of this, the main advantage, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, is, and I look at it from an investment perspective. I don't look at it from like, okay, own my own, you know, uh, residential property. So this is it's just making sure that I compare an investment in a commercial property to an investment in a residential property that will be safe, you know, uh, you know, leased out. So just just preface sure. it on that. So my thing is is that I would rather be under the commercial tenancy agreement where I have a you know, established terms: who pays what and how it's done. And so, I refer to it as the triple net, you know, agreement where you know they, uh, the the tenant is responsible for you know basically you know the the improvements to the uh, property on the interior. They've got to pay the property taxes, strata fees, you know, uh, common area maintenance, like all those little things that the the tenant is responsible for. You have the Residential Tenancy Act on the the residential side, which stipulates, you know, you can only increase your amount from like a, you know, 1.4% this year. Well, we've seen multiple, you know, instances where, you know, your, your insurance costs go up 10, 15, 30%. Well, you can't just get that back because you can only increase your rent by 1.4%. So we just sort of see that, uh, you know, the rent controls on the residential side of things are really hurting the investment returns from an income standpoint versus the, you know, a little bit more free floating on the commercial side.
2: Fantastic. So triple net leasing and kind of the less onerous regulatory framework, it sounds like, when it comes to the the Residential Tenancy Act. Speaking of... Um, costs going up interest rate increases this year we're we're of course in a very uncertain interest rate environment or or actually maybe I should rephrase that looks like we're in a more certain interest rate environment in that interest rates are going up as i understand variable is not really utilized or Maybe I should frame that as a question. So the fixed versus variable debate of residential is kind of not a thing in commercial, as I understand. But can we talk a little bit about what people can expect in terms of rates over the course of this year, and what your thoughts are on on how these rising rates impact commercial real estate?
0: Okay, so <laughs> these are oh, I wish i uh, I'm gonna dust off my crystal ball here, <laughs> and I'm gonna just see. See what i can do and what i can tell you is that uh i'm no better than a like a 50 50 batter on this one here it's just it's really hard to you know sort of predict where rates are going there's just so many so much noise out there and so many people have their own opinions on inflation quantitative easing uh you know rising rates like all this kind of stuff here so What I can tell you is that we have seen rates on the commercial side go from, say, you know, the high twos to the high threes just over this last 12 months. It is starting to affect the, uh, you know, how much you can actually, you know, get on a mortgage. So people have to put more as a down payment to get that same piece of property. My gut tells me is that, you know, I think that maybe we got another, you know, half a percent in the five year, uh, you know, sort of fixed mortgage without you know, people starting to see or for it to, um, to not have an effect on demand, right? Like it's, it's, you know, if you have to put down 50% down payment on a commercial purchase, you know, that's a lot, you know, more and more people are going to start questioning, okay, is that the right place for me to go into it? So you're going to see demand come off. And I think that, you know, things will start cooling if interest rates go up more than a half a percent from where they are right now. So does it mean that they can't go up higher? Absolutely not. I'm just going to say is that I think you're going to see some cooling of the market if interest rates go up, you know, substantially from where they are right now.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally, totally. I'm just yeah. thinking here in... Matt just started
1: crying. <laughs> I think that was, that was the long, that was the pregnant pause. Yeah. It was a slow tear, yeah, t- yeah, yeah, you could see. T- yeah.
2: <laughs> no, you know, I, I, maybe as, and we've taken a lot of your time out, just in in terms of, uh a, a final question here. I don't think we have talked necessarily all that much about, it sounds like basically in terms of asset classes, everything outside of kind of the hospitality and, and potentially retail has done quite well over COVID. I'm curious to hear what what 2022 looks like for asset classes and uh, and what locations, what asset classes and what locations, I guess, you're excited about.
0: I'm excited about, you know, all the asset classes. This might not be the politically correct thing to to say at this time here. I apologize in advance to anybody who feels offended. Uh, but I am sick and tired of talking about COVID and dealing with COVID. Like, it's the... Um, I I do think that, uh, you know, we as a society, uh, I think we're going to get past this, uh, you know, the the COVID lockdowns and all this stuff in 2022. And I think we're going to see, you know, return to, you know, what, you know, the socialization that, you know, humans generally do. So, you know, my gut tells me is like the hospitality is going to start its, uh, you know, its, its crawl back. I think more people are going to va- want a vacation. Um, like I got my uh, vacation set for Hawaii in spring break and, you know, nothing's going to keep me away from that. I, <laughs> three, year, three, three years without a, you know, a holiday to someplace warm is uh, with my family. is long enough that I can't take it anymore. Yeah. So I think that's going to be uh, doing it there. And I think that a return to the office is going to happen in 2022. So you're going to see the office, market it, you know, keep coming back. And I keep hearing reports, uh, you know, our immigration is at 400,000 people, and I can't remember how many people are coming into the BC, I think it's like 75,000. Well, that's going to need to, uh, you know, people need to be housed. So the multifamily asset class is, is going to be, uh, you know, you know, coming, continuing its 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 roaring pace, uh, like the industrial is is still in such short supply, it's not even funny. It's like a zero percent vacancy rate. So that's going to keep going up. And the only way that you can go that you can sort of moderate anything on the industrial side is to try to do some stack development. So one of the issues with commercial stuff is always the fact that you can't go vertical as easy as you can in the residential side right. um, because it's like there's issues there. So you know, I I, I, there's, I just see a continuing you know bull market, and there's like there's there's no. You know no shortage of of money out there with all the the QE and the printing of money and you know the savings there's just there's no shortage of it. it It might be and this is the unfortunate thing it might be sort of held in 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 fewer hands than it was in the past. that's a separate discussion, but again like the 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 individuals and institutions that have money, they've got a lot of money to spend
2: right so so yeah. more of the same it sounds like al without question, more of the same.
0: And I don't even think that the interest rate increases are really going to impact it. And also, it ends up coming for these, you know, for for the audience out there is that, um, like, if you are invested, if you are interested in commercial uh, real estate as an investment, is you know, you know, do the research, you know, you know, rub those pennies together, talk to uh, to us, build up a team, and you know what, start start figuring out, uh, you know, what the next steps are to get a property under contract and and, and move forward with it because so many positive things within the, the lower mainland, especially because, you know, we're, we're the perfect place to invest from a commercial the uh, aspect because, you know, you got water, you got the ocean, Pacific Ocean to the, uh, the west, you got the mountains to the north, you got agricultural land to the east, and you got the border to the south. Like there's only so many places that you can go and build. So we're, we're like a perfect location. And, then you know, people need to understand that due to that, those those um sort of natural barriers you just get in there just jump in, in there you know and if you do have it do it sooner rather than later so that was that's my only thing and that, as you can see I'm extremely bullish about the commercial market you know going forward for the next 10 20 years right. you know we might have a slight drop uh, you know every once in a while but again like it's we're in a you know, safe environment. You know, uh, politically uh, healthy environment. Lots of natural, uh, you know, waters, and uh, you know, you can be up on the mountain one day, uh, and then uh, you know, the next day, uh, you know, you're you're on the beach kind of thing. Like so, there's there's just so many great things from the lifestyle here. So, and anyways, uh, talking enough about that, that's just, you know, how, you know, bullish I am on, uh, on BC and lower mainland,
2: especially. The kind of call to action there, as I understand it, uh, and maybe just this is a more of a yes or no final question, but... A lot of the kind of mom and pop investors you're helping getting financing. It, 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 these are partnerships, right? Like on the if we're helping people with a with an investment property on the residential side, you know, occasionally there's partners involved, but it's it's you know primarily um, you know a couple or or a single person doing the investment. You're often dealing with groups of you know three, four, five people that are that are setting up a company to to purchase the property, right?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Like I can say we do hundreds of these a year. So it ends up being that, you know, anything under the sun we've dealt with. The key thing is just like, I just encourage, uh, you know, you know, individuals to, you know, that are, are looking to try to do this or couples or family units. We see a lot of families pool their money together and invest you know, chat with people, like uh, talk with the experts in the industry, get comfortable with it. Uh, I know for myself, is like I play a small role in the grand scheme of things, um, but we do a lot of it. We can outline and, you know, you can learn from us about our experiences of what, you know, uh, what the pitfalls are and how to avoid them and, and and to move forward. So we can provide that stuff. We work with, you know, amazing groups of, of uh, commercial realtors, you know, commercial uh, lawyers. Uh, so there's, there's all that stuff that you just sort of build your team, and then you know, uh, the, you know, time is of the essence. So you know, uh, if you're interested in it, there's lots of people there that are going to support them, and you just gotta, you know, take that risk, take that, take that leap of faith, and start today versus you know pushing it off till next week or or the week after.
1: Take action. Well, maybe we'll leave it there, uh, Al. But we do have this segment called the Five Wire, five quick questions. in <laughs> this show, can <laughs> you stick around for that? You're not yeah, getting I off can. that easy, Al.
0: Yeah, like it's uh, you know, I'm gonna have to. He's always stumped me, man. You guys all so good with these <laughs> questions.
1: <laughs> so, so question number one is: What are you currently watching, or do you have a movie recommendation?
0: Oh, do I have a? If I was to have like a um, a movie recommendation, like a, you know, I actually I want to go out and see the Matrix, the new Matrix one. I haven't gone there, but I'm not a huge. I don't watch a lot of TV. So it ends up being is like if I could do one like I want to see the new Matrix one with uh, Keanu Reeves.
2: Fantastic. What song has been on repeat lately? Oh, this is one
0: that uh, you know my uh, my wife is uh, kind of controls the uh, the music uh, channels uh, in our car, uh, and, and so it is. But it was actually great because uh, she downloaded. I guess like Amazon has an app where you can do this stuff, and so one of my favorite songs is uh, "A Great Day to Be Alive" by Travis Tritt. So it's a, it's a little country. It's a little, uh, you know, um, vintage country. So I'm going to stick with that one there because she downloaded it, surprised me the other day and made me uh, howl because it's uh, one of my favorite songs.
1: Nice. Nice. Okay. What is one book you can recommend for our listeners?
0: Um, well, I'm in the middle of reading the book called Ego. It actually uh, my business partner gave it to me, and uh, that's the one that I kind of uh, re-
2: you know recommend. Passive aggressive this- uh, gift or what? <laughs> well, it's he, kind of. Like it's the, uh, no, he
0: got a, a, a series of three books, and you know some of the stuff that ends up being is uh, you know kind of when you get to sort of our age, and we went to school together, so we've been uh, we've known each other for 40 years, and it's it's all the stuff there. Is uh, you know have some fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. And it is uh, you know just 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 know that you know you can't achieve anything by yourself. So you know everybody in your uh, group needs to uh, you know feel respected and voice heard. So it's making sure that you know uh, you know as I'm uh, one of the leaders here at Impact is like you need to build the team and you know again you, you don't take yourself too seriously because other people are important and it's our responsibility to uh, you know the, to build the team to support uh, everybody around us.
1: We actually, we have a, uh, we have always a, a question when we're going through marketing exercises where we say, is this ego or is this actually good marketing? And if it's ego, we usually uh, tell Matt
2: to change it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's important. It's, it's important. Right? You have to ask you yourself know, you that question. Mean? I keep
2: on wanting just a photo of myself uh, yeah, to go yeah. out <laughs> as a as, as oh, marketing. God, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> start, start, start of the new year, Al. What resolution have you set for yourself?
0: I got to get a jump on my Peloton a heck of a lot more than I did. Uh, as long as it uh, exists. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like, I, I got it down, uh, downstairs and I, uh, uh, you know, we did a, a November challenge on the Peloton and I think, uh, you know, I think I was on there like, I don't know, like every second day in uh, in November. And then, you know, just with the holiday season, it just dropped off. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, you gotta, you gotta get back on there. I've, I, I've added a few sort of, you know, COVID uh, pounds over the uh, the holidays. That needs to come off like right away. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, that's great. And last but not least, what is something that you've bought for under $1,500 recently? So I guess that gets rid of the Peloton that has had a positive impact on your life.
0: Oh, you know what I think i uh already answered this one here because we just did a uh, like a the uh, the podcast on the commercial side of Oh, right then, you know what it was it was like it I'm gonna stick by it again, like I'm gonna say it is like a uh, you know, my favorite time is you know just this sort of watching my kids grow and and seeing them learn and the stuff there and so you know, we, we got a, a chess board. And so my, uh, my middle kid, uh, you know, Megan is, you know, you know, playing chess. Like it's, it's, you know, I'm always so busy doing so many uh, things that you kind of, again, stop taking yourself too seriously. You know, put your phone away, you know, turn the TV off, go hang out and, and play chess. And so I was, uh, we were playing chess and, you know, I, I hate saying it, but she, uh, she was beating me the last couple of times. So, uh, I guess she takes after her mother with her uh, her intelligence and good looks, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, hum- humbling to be beaten by a fourteen year old in chess.
2: Right on, yeah that's that's a, that's a that's a good one for sure. Well, well, Al, how can people find out more about what you guys are up to over at Impact Commercial Group?
0: Go check up on our website. It's www.impactcommercial.ca. We've got a great group of guys here, you know, reach out to any one of us, or you can just, you know, send me an email, alan.hague at impactcommercial.ca, or or give me a buzz. Cell phone number is 604-999-2265. And don't worry about writing this thing down. Just go to the website; it's all on there. And uh, you know, we uh, we love meeting people. We, we can do a Teams call. We can uh, do a regular old fashioned phone call. Uh, meet for a coffee, grab a lunch. Like we're we're here to uh, sort of make the uh, the success happen and doing our our small little part in it. So it's like, again, just don't hesitate to reach out anytime.
1: I should say we we did something with you recently that was phenomenal. Great to work with you and Quinn on it and uh I got to say we're, were wasn't an easy client I bet. There was a lot of chasing chasing us down for documents. But uh yeah, I I I can't I can't recommend you guys enough.
0: Oh, yeah. That was the uh, wink wink purchase that I was it was that was a great one. You guys did fantastic with it. I was a uh, uh, and the rate's awesome. So uh, very pleased that, uh, to hear uh, you like that so much.
2: Right on. Well, thanks so much, Al, again for your time. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Absolutely. Wishing you guys and the audience a, a great day and I
2: hope to be in touch soon. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Alan Haig from Impact Commercial. Really enjoyed that conversation with Alan
1: Matt. Always great having like just a bright, well-rounded uh, real estate mind on the show. Alan did not disappoint. Some real great takeaways. We had another guest in the studio just this morning before we recorded this intro and outro. Hands fast. He's the founder and principal of Fastmark Development Corp. Doing two projects in the Canby corridor. Twenty-eight years old. Yeah, I almost—I mean, incredible. you believe it when you see him. He looks like he's twenty-eight, but. It's kind of incredible that there's a guy, Dick Handling, what, you know what?
2: 16 units right it, it now? makes developing. And and it makes me think, you know, Hans is is such an impressive guy. I feel like that's what he would be. He's like the 1960s version of an adult, right? By twenty he's got two kids. He's like a developer. He's done a lot. Whereas, you know, probably half his friends are like in their parents' basement uh, yeah. or maybe not his friends because... You know what they say about the five uh, your five closest friends.
1: Your five closest friends, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, our conversation with Hans. So that's going to be coming I think either next week or the following week, but Stay in the tuned. next two weeks we're going to have Hans fast on 28-year-old developing in the city of Vancouver multiple sites. What does that guy look like at 40? I mean, I, I just I'm I'm scared Zero to, to Kokomo, man. Yeah, zero to Kokomo. No kidding, eh? It, it's it's uh, breathtaking.
2: What else do we got for today, Matt? What else do we have? We have, first off, Podcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live, including the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. So if you're inspired or intrigued by anything Alan said today, you can head over to Podcast.com and check out the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast as well, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. We also have the LiveWire. This is our weekly mailer. We've kind of bumped up our VIP access to some residential projects lately. Of course, Absolutely. we've had some commercial projects as well. If you're interested in pre-construction, this is a list for you. If you're interested in stats before anyone else, this is a list for you. Anything that's exciting to us, we're putting out on the live wire. Right. You can sign up at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And we also have, of course private client services.
1: Yeah, Matt. And if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Another thing I'll say is, yeah, two weeks ago, access was for Links East Van Development. Now we just put out uh, Nouveau, um, I believe just went it's out. NoVoo.
2: NoVoo. NoVoo. Anthem. I think it's, I, I think it's Nouveau, hey, isn't hey, it? Uh, speaking of fantastic developers in the city. Yeah,
1: no kidding, but really exciting. So that, that actually has gone out to our list. So if you are not on the live wire, definitely sign up and get access to these projects. Also, Matt, I do want to last but not least mention that our Instagram is growing. It's a great place to follow us for behind the scenes, videos, some extra content. We've got, you're putting stuff up, Melissa Moretti's putting stuff up. A few more things coming today. We should have taken a photo with hands when he was in studio. Know, we're back in, you know what? It's back in Coke missed opportunity. It's an atomic
2: habit, right? Because I thought, man, I got to take a photo with hands and yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, exactly. He just took that selfie. That was weird. That was weird in a <laughs> room just with me? three people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, but uh, we are, we are, we're not doing Instagram well, but we are doing Instagram. So definitely check us out. The handle is at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, very original name on
2: Instagram. Check that out. Matt, how can people get in touch? They can get in touch with me at any time. Via Instagram, actually. Sl- oh, yeah. S- do they slide yeah. into my DMs? Uh, I don't even... I, is that even a not thing? Not my personal it? DMs. Uh, the podcast yeah. DMs. But... Uh, yeah, you do the sliding on I your personal a, DM. I do account totally... It's like... <laughs> We <laughs> you forget that, but get give, give me a call at any time. seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four 847 2854 or Matt at Podcast.com. I would
1: love to test to see if you could even actually DM on Instagram. That would be a good. I
2: example. do remember that uh, a guy called me out not long ago for saying PMs, which is private, private message, message. And he was well, like, that's well, not well, what
1: it's called. Well, nobody does private messages. Yeah. Even I know that, but there's a, there's that great video of, of, post millennials like kids trying to figure out how to use a rotary phone and i feel like you're oh, you're just right. the, you're the reverse of yeah. that <laughs> like it's uh yeah. Also, uh, I don't know. You should upgrade your Instagram app because I think you're missing a lot of features like stories and things like that. But you know wrong?
2: My phone is too. I got to delete some stuff off. Yeah. My phone. Really I don't. That, I, yeah.
1: that twelve gig storage was not a good <laughs> idea. Or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. dot com.
2: And we also got that Kokomo line info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. dot com. I feel like we've had three or four people mention Kokomo Studios now. Like, what's the address, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of awesome. Hans uh, said it was groovy in here, so I'm going to take that.
1: It's a great studio that you're going to be seeing on YouTube coming soon. So that's super exciting. Have a good week, guys. Take care.
0: Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.